Hi, kids. Let's learn about words. You keep using the word. I do not think it means what you think it means. What does it all mean, Basil? At last, we're going to have a dialogue about the power of words. Discussion of a language. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I learned that you should choose your words carefully. That's what counts. Far, far more complex. Well, by God, I got a couple of words for you. The quality of your words. We all know where to find the meaning of a word. A dictionary. The consummate repository of cut and dry definitions for all, quote, certified words. The truth is, however, that most words can hold many meanings, depending on situation, culture, generation, and perspective. Don't tell me words don't matter. Because our words have creative power. On Open to Interpretation, host Amy Young is joined by PLU faculty and educators from different academic disciplines to consider a single word commonly used in the news, on social media, and on college campuses. What did you say? Whatever I feel like I want to say. Sometimes for a moment I can't say anything. Through debate and dialogue, Open to Interpretation reminds us that rarely, if ever, can a word's meaning be reduced to a single understanding. It ain't the word! It's the context in which the word is set. To get a great job in this economy, you need to have strong language. Well, I think that's a super philosophy, Sean. And now, here's Dr. Amy Young. Welcome to another edition of Open to Interpretation. I'm Amy Young, I'm an Associate Professor of Communication, and I'm joined here in KPLU's Tacoma studio by Mike Behrens, Associate Professor and Chair of Biology, and Caitlin Sill, Assistant Professor of Political Science. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Okay, so we always start this podcast with a few softball-y, speed-round-y intro <laughs> questions before we get into some sort of really difficult word discussion. We'll start with you, Mike. What, if anything, were you listening to on your drive to campus this morning? This will be embarrassing. So <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was vacillating between listening to a report on race differences in breast cancer and another radio program that was detailing a first date gone bad I... that involved feeding crows. Wow. On the date. Is that, was that the planned activity? No. It happened in the middle unexpectedly, which is the date gone bad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, something to explore on another podcast. First date's gone horribly, horribly awry. Caitlin, what were you listening to? I'm, this is horrible. I was listening to the latest book in the Millennium Trilogy. That just now the quad something. Um, the latest Girl with the Dragon Tattoo book that on audiobook. Oh, I don't think that's embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing. But then on the way in, I decided I should be smart, so I turned it to NPR. Oh, look <laughs> at you. Look at that little shout out. The last song that was playing before I walked in the door was Huey Lewis and the News, I Want a New Drug. Nice. It was Very not nice. necessarily a good morning for radio this morning <laughs> for me. Okay, Caitlin, when was the last time you cussed while lecturing? And was it intentional or premeditated? I'm sure it was the last time I lectured, which would have been on Thursday. And it probably wasn't premeditated or intentional. I just sometimes like to cuss. Yes, I think it, it uh, punctuates the moment. I'd likely drop something and just respond it with a good f Good. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I would have to probably agree that 
the only thing that saves me from saying yesterday in my class is I gave an exam. So oh, I did not good. curse during my own exam. So that's a good sign. At least, um, not, at least not out loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe in your head. But undoubtedly it was last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me too. It's um, I have a hard time letting a week go by without either, you know, embarrassing myself or creating some sort of bizarre situation for my students. I also do that with bringing back references that they don't understand. So and then swearing you laugh hysterically or at yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I usually follow that with, I'm not really as old as you think I am. <laughs> I doubt they believe you. <laughs> okay, my students are in a guessing game. How old is Professor Sill? Oh. Wah, wah, wah. I can totally tell them. I won't. Okay, if for some reason you weren't able to go to grad school and you never became a professor, what would you be doing, Mike? Um, I probably would still be in my the job I had before I went to graduate school. Um, so I worked for an environmental consulting firm, mm-hmm. um, and I loved it. And I had no good reason for leaving other than I wanted to go back to school, and that just led me down a different path. But I yeah. loved the people I worked with. It was sort of odd working at a nuclear power plant, but I worked at a nuclear power plant and had really sort of crazy hours, spent a lot of time outside. But that's cool. probably where I would be older and grumpier awesome wow that's so smart i would be (laughs) i would be a trophy wife okay good i would have excellent hair and i would teach spin classes on saturday and maybe on tuesdays just depending just depending on how the schedule permitted that would be my goal um and that's what i assume i would be doing right now had i not gone to grad school wow Okay. So I think we the have... trophy wife was out for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you could have done it, not the hair. Yeah. The hair would have been a problem. <laughs> so let's make a transition into the uh, sort of the word that we're going to be dealing with today. So The deal on this podcast is that we try to take a word that is popularized by social media or is on campus or is in the news a lot, and we pull it apart. So we talk about the various meanings that it might have and the context in which it might be used and the ways that it's politicized and those kinds of things. So today's podcast, as you know, is on the word climate. Uh, And climate is used in a lot of ways. And one of the reasons that I was excited to bring in a social scientist and a natural scientist is that I thought this would be an interesting juxtaposition on the word climate. So let's start with defining climate. How would you define climate, Caitlin? Okay, so I think I would probably define climate as more of the general environment under which we're acting. Okay. And I take that both in terms of, you know, the more traditional use of the environment and uh, And then also in the more political use of kind of the situation in which political change is ongoing Mm -hmm. and the events and instances that are surrounding it. Mike? So from the the biological side of things, I would go with sort of the the classic view of it being the the long-term patterns of environmental conditions Mm -hmm. at a given location. Um, But as I thought about this question and I thought about the broader meaning of, of climate from both of our perspectives. I just kept coming back to this um, idea that the climate around the word climate is pretty screwed up. Um, 
and yeah. and how mm-hmm. those two words and the two usages, political as well as environmental, really, um, I think, clash uh-huh. right now and and impact sort of how we view the term. Riffing off what Mike just said, do you think that there's a way to talk about climate as an apolitical term? I mean, you're talking about the climate around the climate. We're already in a meta. <laughs> we're in a meta climate. Is that an atmosphere? I don't know what we're in. Well, I think the the big thing for me is is we have added something to climate. And mm. anytime you say the word climate, at least from an environmental perspective, people add the word change behind it. Right. And from a scientific standpoint, um, climate is climate, and and it has it has always change. been changing. Yeah. Um, it is changing in different ways today. Right. Um, and so I think there's one way to, to move away from that, that political aspect of it mm-hmm. is to take a step back and, and, and just focus on the word climate. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to talk about change, then talk about change. Right. Um, but the word itself has now become linked with climate change, not just climate. Not just climate. And I think that's interesting. I'm thinking that and thinking about this, it's becoming a word that is lacking in meaning altogether. So defining the word climate is a hard thing because it becomes thrown about so commonly without mm-hmm. people really understanding what they're talking about. And I think he's actually right, absolutely right with the idea that it's linked with change because nobody actually understands what the word climate is in the absence of the word change. Right. So you just wind up with this nebulous idea that people have. And typically it's of something is devolving. And so I don't know how there is, if unless we can really come back to the idea of figuring out what exactly the word climate means in any sense. Right. So climate change is, that's an interesting point. It's always, it's, it's a negatively valenced term, mm-hmm. always, even though, as you mentioned, my climate, literally in the sense of climate, has always been mm-hmm. yeah. changing. Yeah. And, and even the negative of climate change, I think, is a very human-focused Mm-hmm. view on that. Um, it doesn't get talked about, I think, enough, but climate change from a, a species perspective um, is awesome for some species. Right. If you're a bark beetle, like <laughs> climate change is, is, is amazing. And that um, is what I always ask myself in yes. the morning. If I were a bark, <laughs> bark beetle, beetle, how would I like this today? Um, if, but if you're, can you explain yeah. why if you were bark beetles, so, climate so, change would be awesome. So bark beetles, for um, for a long time have had their their northern range boundary okay. determined by hard winter freezes. Oh, and as those have become rarer mm-hmm. or less intense, um, bark beetles have have dramatically spread their ranges north. Um, and are causing declines in forests um, throughout the West. So oh, if, you're, if you're a bark beetle, it's great. If you're a, a polar bear or a forest, <laughs> it's not so great. And so it really depends upon your perspective. If you're a human who wants things to stay the same they were when, as you remember them as a kid, mm-hmm. or your parents tell about them or your grandparents tell about them, then climate change is bad. Right. Also, I think the word change is inherently a neutral term because – if we were talking about improving the climate, we're still talking about change. Yeah. We're just talking about it in a different direction. And now I want to be a bark beetle. Because now you have a lot more geography in and which I, to expand your and empire. I can legitimately destroy forests. 
perfect. But there, perfect. I think there, there have been conversations about even that word change. Mm-hmm. Um, we think about it, at least in terms of climate, often as a negative. Mm-hmm. Right. But many of us like change. Change is good. It's refreshing. It, it, it mixes things up. And so yeah. um, there have actually been biologists who have argued we should get rid of that term. Um, just like we should get, get rid, rid of, of the term change, change uh-huh. just like we should get rid of the term global warming, because mm-hmm. especially in Washington around February, global warming sounds great. <laughs> um, and and so really moving to something like climate disruption, mm-hmm. which is is maybe more inclusive of what we're talking about is 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 a better term. So we've already gotten into one of the prompts that I have, uh, but I'd like to expand on it maybe a little bit. I mean, we've been talking about this word change and how change is a word that is in people's minds anyway, and in a lot of social and political discourse linked to climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about one of the most important scientific terms of at least the contemporary era. I mean, most people hear climate change and they think about the air and the bark mm-hmm. beetles and the <laughs> polar bears and how basically everything is doomed. Yeah. And yet climate change is also the reason that same-sex people can now marry and we have a mixed-race president. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested to hear more about that kind of climate change, too. I mean, how, we, how might we talk about climate change in other ways. Yeah. So I think that you're absolutely right. The word climate change has become, the words climate change as a phrase has become extremely, extremely um, tied to this idea of the environment Mm -hmm. and global warming and that thing. When in reality, changing climates, if we just say it that way, can refer to anything and everything. And going along exactly what Amy said, I mean, thinking about what's going on in light of the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. right? What we saw in um, in the past year and a half is this huge, huge change in climate, social and political climate around this bringing to focus of the challenges facing young black, especially men. Right. Um, and so I think it is interesting when we think of the fact that climate change has a deliberate meaning, whereas we talk about the changing climate that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. There are many, many positives that people would say. Um, especially when it comes to social movements and progress. And mm-hmm. any time that those make progress or um, any time there is social t- progress, it's a result of a changing cl- political, social um, climate that allows this to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you were to say, well, the climate, there's climate change in politics, that suddenly has no meaning because we automatically hear the word climate change and think, Environment. environment. Natural environment. Natural environment. Right. Where there's this wide acknowledgement that any type of change result is um, requires a major shift in climate, mm-hmm. a major shift in our understanding of issues, concepts, um, politics. But we can, there's something very limiting about how we use the word climate that keeps that from being a discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, it, it makes me think back to Mike's comment about changing the term to disruption. Mm-hmm. And there is something disruptive about political and social change, social movements, mm-hmm. right, of any kind, because they're a threat to hegemonic order and stability, right? Mm -hmm. That this is how the system works and it's essentially rigged to work in a certain way for a certain Mm -hmm. group of people. 
And now all of a sudden we've thrown the climate somehow into well, disarray. Yeah. And I mean, it, it seems to it, it seems even to make sense in your field. Yeah. Mike. And I mean, even if we stay on sort of the political side of mm -hmm. things, um, I mean, one of my problems with the term change is I think many of us think about change as some sort of directional change. Mm -hmm. And um, when I think about the politics of science, um, I actually don't think we're in a, a phase of directional political change. I think um, in many ways, and, and this term disruptive has a very um, important meaning in evolution of where you okay. have a population where one part of the population goes in one direction and the other population goes in the other in terms of the evolution of a trait. Like a fracturing. And so a fracturing. And when I think about the political climate around science and around climate change, mm -hmm. I think that's the sort of political change or climate that we're in is this polarization. Yeah. Um, and and that we see that view around sort of views on climate change or more generally, I think, views on how much science can be used or trusted mm -hmm. um, to make decisions. And, and we seem to have this, this polarization um, of the, the country around those, those issues. Right. And, and so I think that's sort of that other problem with change uh -huh. is our view on directionality. I think that's really an interesting point. And that sort of notion of fracturing reminds me, too, that it seems like science is – climate science, whatever, is useful when it suits your purposes, and then it's the devil when it doesn't buttress your claim, right? And so you see people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who are public intellectuals for science, who get horrible comments in their Twitter feed and Facebook page and all this kind of stuff, because, and the climate around those comments becomes really fractured. Well, and yeah. I think I think that it's really interesting the notion that there is an expectation that change is always directional, that and in some change that change tends to be a polarized direction, right? You can go one way or the other. When in terms of politics, the climate is always changing in politics. Sure, right? We're all and and there's always a political climate. Every day that climate changes, and every day as a result, people have to take into account and adjust their behaviors in light of that political climate. But right. it, it's rarely. In a particular direction, it's rarely predictable the outcome of it. We just know things are constantly happening. Mm -hmm. And when all of those things align in a particular way is when you see major dis or disruptions or major um, major activities being able to arise. But mm -hmm. a lot of times those things are feeding under the surface mm -hmm. or living under the surface regardless. And as things change, it's not like this is a sudden thing that has arisen Seismic from nowhere. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's always been there. It's just as things have mutated in a particular way, it has provided an opportunity for something right. to arise. But I sometimes I think when we think of change or we or disruption, we think of the sudden instantaneous seismic shattering right. of our status quo. When really, at least in politics, it's not it's rarely like that. These things are surround these things are occurring until the mm -hmm. right climate or the right environment happens to set up that allow things. So it just happened that um, that Michael Brown was the catalyst right. that put this issue onto. But it's not like there wasn't violence against black men prior to Michael Brown being shot. Exactly. And it's not like there wasn't talk about it or or 
movements or anything like that. It's just at that moment in time, things mm-hmm. lined up, right? It could have been any any variety of factors, including there wasn't a huge war. Right. Right. Imagine had the Michael Brown shooting happened while simultaneously we are trying to invade a country. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The climate, it wouldn't be right mm-hmm. for this to hit the national agenda. Right. The problem would still be there. So I think there's something interesting, too, about the con like the word disruption always has a negative connotation in my head. And that's just probably a personal thing. But it, it tends to have this sense of like messing things up. When really, a lot of times, at least in the polit- in the political world, it's just aligning the timing. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, I think even from biological systems uh-huh. and um, thinking about shifting climates or disruption mm-hmm. or whatever we want to settle on to, to talk about that, um, we see similar things where there's, there's sort of some underlying dynamics mm-hmm. going on. Things right. are, are changing, but they might not be overly noticeable until we hit some threshold. And then there's some major tipping point at that threshold. Mm-hmm. And then we see a dramatic change. Um, and so I think that there's really an analog between those two mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. where um, it's not until a number of things happen simultaneously mm-hmm. that we see some dramatic change that, that we as, as scientists or even the public notice from the standpoint of, of how a community looks or right. how, how things are functioning. Right. And I think part of the, the problem then arises when we do focus on this instantaneous where it was a change. Or this moment where we recognize that things were happening because what happens then is we can simplify it. So we're able to simplify the cause to look at this instance, look at this shooting. And it allows us to, in a way, ignore kind of all of the underlying factors that were occurring. Systemic factors that are. Systemic and the constant changes that were occurring by identifying, look, there is a single change that led to a disruption. When Mm -hmm. really we're talking about an interaction of multitude of factors. And then a tipping point or a specific timing that led something to occur. Right. And so there is something about when we're able to reduce things to a simple word or a phrase. And when we're able to get this perspective on, there, it's night and day, right? Mm-hmm. The world was like this and now the world's like this. Mm-hmm. That allows us, well, to, to get, move away from some of the underlying issues and questions. Yeah. Or historical, systemic, historical, other systemic. kinds of um, larger issues that are happening that precede that fracture. We've been talking a lot about different big picture (laughs) climates, but what about different climates here on campus? I mean, how do we talk about climate here? Mm -hmm. How do we measure it? What do we mean when we say it? I mean, one of the things I was thinking about, and I wrote this down as you were talking, is the word sustainability is a global initiative here at PLU. And sustainability is almost inscrutably linked with the natural environment mm-hmm. and environmentalism. And But it has other meanings than that. I mean, other kinds of climates can be sustained. Mm-hmm. So how do we talk about this on campus? So first thing, I always find the word sustainability very, very interesting because it's another word that's taken on a particular connotation and a particular meaning. Right. Which, and its essence, sustainability is about keeping things the same for the long term. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's some 
aspect of the campus right now, as we talk about sustainability, though, the focus is about change in many ways and adjusting to change. Um, In particular, right, we have a changing student body. Students are facing problems that we never had to face in terms of finances, the rising cost of education, Mm -hmm. increasing student loan debt, increasing interest rates, um, the fact we're getting rid of more of the subsidized student loans. Right. Um, And as we talk about the word sustainability, part of the thing that I think that somebody brought this up to me is a good question. What are we sustaining? Yeah. No, that's a good question. And do we want to? And do we want to sustain it? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think from the university standpoint, the answer to that is we want to sustain the university. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that change around making things more sustainable is a recognition that um, what is sustainable changes as the environment changes, mm-hmm. as the university environment changes or, or any environment changes. And so we're always trying to play catch up to um, figure out what is is sustainable in terms of if we're thinking about carbon footprint of the institution right. or we're thinking about workload of faculty and staff or we're thinking about economics of the students, mm-hmm. um, what sorts of changes in the context of larger society and environment um, are, are those things um, ideas or, or things that can be maintained across time. And, and that's always the hard part is that um, if we want to come back to at least the system I know better and think about sort of mm-hmm. sustainability ecologically moving right. forward, that's that's always somewhat of a moving target mm-hmm. um, or because if we want to think about personal choices and, and, and personal impacts that we have, say, on um, global carbon, if we want to think it from a, a climate change perspective, Today, we have some amount of carbon that we can be sort of responsible for producing. Right. But as human population grows, Mm -hmm. that number goes down every day. Mm -hmm. So what is sustainable today might not be sustainable in two years because of increases in population. Right. And so I think that's a, a nice way to think about this idea of sustainability not being a static concept. Concept. It's it's really a dynamic concept mm-hmm. based upon um, the changes in um, the social or um, ecological community around you. Does climate require change? I mean, that's kind yeah. of what it sounds like, right? That if you have a climate, I guess you could have a climate without change, but it it almost sounds like. And I think you know, I think both of your points are well taken, but. If you're going to sustain the university, you have to change it in some uh-huh. way. And I'm thinking back to a podcast that neither of you is on, uh, the last one, which we where we talked about violence and we talked about microaggressions and Title IX and all kinds of other things that are that are um, litigation and uh-huh. are logistical and sort of um, organizational structures to of change uh-huh. that are instruments of a different kind of climate. I know that our institution, like every other, is interested in increasing its student body diversity. And by that, I mean a lot of different you know, characteristics of diversity and faculty diversity, uh, we, which we don't do a great job of doing. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I sort of wonder yeah. how much change can we sustain? Because um, part of that, too, is what's your, what's your identity or what's the sort mm-hmm. of core of the university? How fast can you change? Right. Well, 
I think from like a from a political or a social science perspective, change is inevitable. Right. And change is also in some ways positive. And part of this is because, you know, there's a reason that I went to social sciences, not hard sciences. Um, but part of it is when you're dealing with humans who are constantly learning. Is it because of the math? Because that's why. I, I am quantitative. Oh, well, see, I'm not. <laughs> I am quantitative. No, it's because I, I cite like... year of publication and I have page <laughs> numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I do math. I just, there's something one, I don't like bugs. Mm. So I really don't actually think about mm. any beetles mm-hmm. um, unless it's a scream in the morning. Um, and nature and I don't get along well. Probably has to do with my hair. But so that's part of the reason. But part of it is when you're dealing with humans, right, you're dealing with the fact humans are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. That's part of what we do as humans. Um, We learn. It's what we're designed to do. It's what we're designed to do. We learn. And so every time we learn, we change Mm -hmm. and the world changes. And so the climate in which we are interacting in changes. I just think it's interesting when you think about, like Mike's point, mm-hmm. all the things that add up to the moment that mm-hmm. then some major change happens that maybe, boy, we didn't really see that part. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's a climate. We're in a different climate and mm-hmm. we and we have to sort of look back and account for how we got there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think from an environmental perspective, thinking about the word climate from the sort of classic definition, mm-hmm. um, many people misunderstand that variability is inherent in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we can all see this, but I think we forget about it, mm-hmm. that um, climate is these long-term patterns and environmental conditions, but we have seasonality every mm-hmm. year. Right. Um, and so- Wait a minute, in- you're telling me the fact that I could- find a snowball in winter yes. doesn't mean <laughs> yes that Amazing. we're entering the next ice age <laughs> correct <laughs> wow well um, that's my take home point yeah <laughs> you need to tell steve king of iowa <laughs> <laughs> and also because this winter is is warmer or colder than mm-hmm. last winter doesn't mean climate has changed it's just the the inherent variability in the system mm-hmm. and and so um so there is movement even within some there, sort of limited sense constantly. Yeah. And then to make matters even more confusing, when we think about climate change, one of the things we predict is that the variability in climate will actually increase. Um, and so more extreme. So it's a wider swing yeah. of possibilities. And that's within the norm yeah. of the established, I'm yeah. doing air quotes, you guys can't see, yes. climate. Yes. <laughs> Do you think that's true in political science? that there's a larger range of climate variability on the horizon or and or now wider sh- wider swings uh, I, I mean there's definitely greater polarization yeah i don't know if we can at least for me i don't know if i can talk if we can talk in terms of just like set swings right because we have progressed so much in the past 200 years so right, right unlike nature which no offense moves very slowly <laughs> um, we pause those, those bark beetles. Have those just bark beetles are just got, now gotten a condo in the <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm San thinking Juan's. the sloth. Nature is like the sloth, <laughs> and, and humans are like I don't know animals. What's something that's fast? Cheetahs. I like cheetahs, right? <laughs> and so, um, if you think about where we as people were 200 years ago mm-hmm. compared to where we are now, we can't even identify a norm or a right. basis for movement. Right. Because and then you move this back to a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And we 
there, what we were then is so fundamentally different in terms of our principles, morals, understanding of the world mm -hmm. that we can't even comprehend what would be a scale. So I'm teaching a class on marriage equality and just our understanding of what marriage is and what the purpose of marriage is. Oh, has, interesting. Yeah. Has shifted so much in the past 200 years that in class, as we're talking about what was what was marriage intended to do, we don't even recognize it today. So, because it was intended as an economic exchange. It was intended as an economic exchange in a way to ensure that males Tribal security and... Stay accountable. Yeah. And it, there was a view that men became virtuous and women became virtuous through the institution of marriage. Take two sub substandard beings, combine them in, with a contract, and suddenly you have a virtuous entity... Gestalt. ...with Look the man that. as the head. We don't even comprehend that now. So to say that there mm -hmm. is a seismic change... People would look back and say there wasn't a seismic change because this has been a natural evolution over time right. that we can't even pinpoint when this occurs. So I think with humans, because we move, our understandings change so rapidly, I don't even know if there, we, I can even identify a norm. I mean, we can talk on a very base level of what is the norm in American politics and our political parties, mm -hmm. but our political parties have shifted so much in the past right. 40 years, they're unrecognizable. No, that's true. And I think in my discipline, we talk about things like conversational climate and you think about, OK, well, how do people use words to describe something like the institution of marriage mm -hmm. or something like the ecological environment? And those words themselves are loaded choices in terms of what they mean and the baggage that they bring with them and the valence that they have. And so if you compare that to isn't there like a mountain moving somewhere? There's lots of mountains. <laughs> There's always. There's a mountain moving. Ain't no mountain. A mountain has enough. moved a quarter of an inch in the past decade. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a, that's a that's, big that's move a for a mountain. Yeah. It just, on the scale of what we understand, that's huge. We have a hard time comprehending it. That's mm -hmm. a change in the climate of yeah. the world. Right. Yeah. Okay. Last word on the word. Um, how do you think that you do things like protect or change or even destroy climates in your own lives or in your own world? That's a really hard question to ask at the very end. <laughs> well, I can start off with a joke. Okay. <laughs> I have a little, um... I have a little thing outside my door that about a woman and it's a woman wearing heels and mm -hmm. it says she thought her carbon footprint would be reduced in stilettos. So I wear stilettos. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. And I am both wearing heels and driving a Prius today. So look at me. Look at you saving the world one pointy heel at a time. Right. Yeah. What kind of climate my am I helping fat, to create? My big flat feeder. No use. <laughs> You can put them in a pair of stilettos. I will teach you how to walk in them. I need to grow my hair out, too. I know. There's so many things that need to happen before this can be a workable solution. So for me, though, I would hope that I am an active component of change. Okay. In that I think my I take very seriously my role as a faculty member as teaching students to think critically. And I think anytime you think critically, you are making changes. Sure. Um, in an individual, You're rearranging you're rearranging chemicals process, in the brain. Mm -hmm. Chemicals in the brain. You're thinking. You're changing people. You're helping people change their their priorities, mm -hmm. their um, in, their incentives. And anytime I think you do that, especially when you have the ability to impact students and the and, and the amount of students that we do, you have the ability to push 
and lead to and help them lead to social change. Or even just to recognize that within a climate change or variability is okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I'm working with. I'm teaching a 101 and then I'm teaching <laughs> seniors. So I have freshmen and then seniors back to back. And one of the interesting things about that is trying to get people into the idea that it is okay to not know, that there are not five bubble answer choices. One of them is not always right. There are better arguments and there are worse, but there isn't necessarily a right answer. And that kind of climate of gray area and ambiguity, I think, is deeply difficult for a lot of people. So I think even getting people used to the idea that within climate change is in fact, inherent in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my first reaction around destroying a climate is if I think about th- the climate right. from an environmental side, like you can't destroy it. It just is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You might alter it. It's going to change on its own right. as well. Um, and so that question doesn't make a ton of sense from that that perspective. Um, I think from the the faculty member perspective of seeing students in my class who mm-hmm. have bought into the the 24-hour news cycle climate oh, around yeah. the climate yeah. um, and human impacts on marine systems or terrestrial mm-hmm. systems. I probably should teach an entire class this way, but I'm not brave enough to do it, where students come in with the newest headline. They mm-hmm. just saw mm-hmm. some post about um, plastic as the new DDT. <laughs> and Wait, it's it, not? Yeah. <laughs> well, according to this headline, Canadian scientists say it is. Okay. Well. Um, and and indeed, there's, there's truth in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there's also that bombastic statement. Mm-hmm. And, sure. And so I think w- if I'm going to change a climate in, in one of my courses especially, it's going to be about having our students um, think about those headlines Mm -hmm. and where is their truth and where is their selling newspapers or advertising on websites and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because plastic isn't the new DDT literally, but is it a major problem? Does it uptake other chemicals that can hurt organisms? Yes. Does that lead to reproductive changes in all sorts of species? Yes. So the truth is is not in the headline. It's it's the areas underlying that headline. Mm-hmm. And and I think if there's a, a change I would like to see, it's that people start thinking about what those statements are mm-hmm. rather than just reacting to the um, the basic level of, oh, wow, that sounds bad. I think we should team teach a class and I'm going to teach media literacy yeah. And you're going to teach, and we're going to do awesome. it around science. I was yeah. just thinking that. I was about to call Andrea Monroe and be like, hey, we should team teach a class. I can teach media literacy. Yeah. We're going to, we're just, Caitlin and I are going to go around teaching media literacy. All I up, love media teaching literacy, literacy all up in this That's joint. All we'll do. I will say that one of the climates that I would, I, I, I would really like to be a little bit more deliberate about breaking down is the climate of silence. Okay. Um, I think that for all and a lot of well, all minority groups, and and I think that when you see this, there's a lot of talk about Title IX and mm-hmm. sexual assault on campus right. and all this. But ultimately, part of this stems from this climate of silence, right? This mm-hmm. climate that you are better served by being silent, and that's a climate that I would actually really like to see destroyed. I would love to for there to be more of an embrace of speaking up. Yeah. Um. So in that way, I kind of well, Caitlin the destroyer. 
right? Destroying climates wherever See? I find them. There we go. <laughs> That's my At superpower. Caitlin the disruptor. <laughs> Need a cape or something. Oh, I've got him. You've got him. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want to know. <laughs> Okay, well, I'd like to thank you both again for being here. I think this was a really actually fun conversation about something that I wasn't totally convinced was going to be fun. So (laughs) Mike Barron's associate professor and chair of biology and Caitlin Sill, assistant professor of political science. Thank you for being on Open to Interpretation. Thank you, Amy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And that's all I have to say about that. I learned something today. We're all officially kicked out of school. See you around. Yeah, see you.